Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. Good to be with you. I missed you yesterday. I know that the Station of the Cross and LifeSite had an encore yesterday. I got home Sunday night with a terrible cold, which I caught on the plane. Go figure. And I, I could hardly, I wouldn't have been able to speak to you. So I'm a lot better today. And I'm so happy to be with you. And many of you know that I was at the Catholic Women's Conference in Worcester. I was told to to uh, drop the R and call it Worcester. Worcester, Worcester, that's it, Worcester, uh, Massachusetts. Um, I had a wonderful, wonderful women's conference. The theme was the Eucharist. The speakers were wonderful. The, the conference was wonderful. The team that put it together was wonderful. The women that came were wonderful. I think uh, Corinne, who was the chief organizer, <coughs> excuse me, said there were 400 and I forget how many, over 400, but it was capacity. It just filled to capacity and truly wonderful. And the very one, I keep using these words wonderful, but it, it's true. I, I have to think of a, a word that means the same. A truly wonderful, holy uh, Bishop McManus came and he um, held a... Uh, a um, half-hour adoration for us before the Blessed Sacrament right at the beginning of the conference and then celebrated Mass um, at 4 p.m. Um, it was a wonderful, wonderful day, and I'm, I'm just so glad that I, that I went, <clears throat> and I was so honored to be invited, and I'm not able to go to many conferences these days, so I'm God carved that one out. And um, we had a wonderful, wonderful time, and I think every one of us were encouraged, myself included, and uh, to grow in holiness and to live more for our King. It was Sunday, the next day, Sunday was Christ the King. I stayed overnight with an unbelievable family. Um, now I have to remember the last name, um, and all their names, I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, Janine... I can't think, isn't that terrible? But 16 children, and and 16 children, 18 in all, two went to heaven early, and um, 16 children, I think 13 still at home, four huge dogs, and I, I saw only three, I think, but I thought they had four, I'm not sure. Um, what a magnificent house. If you want to have a happy family, beloved, have a large family, and to top it, all of them were homeschooled. So you, who have two and three and four and five children of all different ages, um, I, I, they range from eight, I think, is the youngest, to somewhere in their twenties, twenty-three, or I, I forget exactly. Don't don't trust my memory, but homeschooled them all, and so um, it's possible, beloved. God has, God will give us the grace what he has made us to do and he has not made us to give our children to the schools he has not he has not um, he's made us to raise them for the kingdom at home to homeschool them to live the catholic faith 
in everything we do. And this is a family that prays together. It was years ago that Father Patrick Payton, who is known as the Rosary Priest, the first Rosary Priest, um, who said the family that prays together stays together. Mother Teresa used that a lot, quote a lot, but it's from Father Patrick Payton. And it's absolutely true. This is a, I tell you what, I, I, I have a lot of work here to do and I need the time to do it, but if I could, I would move in with a family like that. It's the way to grow up healthy, healthy, uh, not self-centered, not clinging to your own things, but if things get shared, responsibilities. Some, some people, some mothers with two children or three are going to say, but how could she do it? I can't even keep my house clean. Well, then you grow your own cleaning party, your, your own cleaning team, and they do everything. You know, we were on our way to the airport, and and Janine said to one of her older daughters, uh, do the laundry when I'm gone, and someone else, she's just handing out orders. It's the way it should be. And the children, nobody rolled their eyes. Nobody. I I watched the daughter respond so beautifully with a a good yes nod and uh, told her mom, of course, and big smile. She was putting nothing on. It was extremely beautiful to see that. So I urge you not to be afraid of big families and to homeschool your children. And um, I have, I've mentioned to you, my friend Beth has put together, um, she's given them to me. They're returned, oh, maybe a dozen women or so with a dozen questions or so on homeschooling. I can't homeschool because I'm afraid my children won't be socialized. Uh, We don't have the money. We don't have the time. I don't have the education. I don't have the patience. All those kinds of things. And um, they're all answered by homeschooling moms who... Many of them were afraid of the same things. And when I met Janine, so beautiful. She is so beautiful. And her husband is just wonderful. Just wonderful. And he's not a backseater at all. He's a beautiful man of God. He's got a tremendous amount of strength. And he is right there with the whole program. It's very, very wonderful. Um And so there's ways to do it. And I asked Janine, if she can, to uh, write me a little write-up, a page or two, of what it meant for her to raise 16 children and to homeschool them, her and her husband. And um, I'm going to, if she if she's able to send it to me, I'm going to publish that in our <clears throat> January newsletter or February newsletter after the new year. And um, a big picture of their family, just so beautiful, so beautiful. You see, you need to get a hold of families like that to be encouraged. Go to a, if you're not sure how to do it, go to a Latin church where most of the children are homeschooled and they have children coming out of the pews all over the place, all over the place. It's our, our the church we go to on Sunday, the traditional mass, um, it is many of those couples I met when they were just dating, and now they have four, five, six, three children. It's just fantastic. And they're welcome at church, and nobody um, is upset when they hear a baby cry because it's the sound of joy and life and the family as God has designed it. Very, very beautiful. So um, we have been reading from a book, Society and Sanity, and when I was gone on Friday, I, can, I pre, pre-recorded a program um, still reading from that book. I think it's so important, dear ones, because 
um, we're living in a world that is insane. It is insane. And it has become insane also in the church, not just the world, but in the church. And But the church is not insane. The church is holy and perfect, spotless, because the church is Christ, who is its head. And in its essence, it is Christ, and it is perfect and without sin. And we need to do a better job of who we are, because we are in a church that is perfect and without sin. We are the body of Christ, and we are becoming what we are. And many of us need to do a better job at it. But... Um, the insanity of the world that's treating man as an object and the with the, the ideas of socialism and all of that coming up. And, um, and then in the schools, uh, the public schools are becoming not just bad areas to raise your children, but they are, have become, in many cases, extremely dangerous extremely dangerous. Not only is God taken out of the schools, um, but uh, in, in some cases, we read, I think last week or the week before, where the children, they're not allowed to say anything Christian, but they must, they are made to recite the Muslim uh, prayer of, uh, I don't know if it's salvation or commitment or something. They're made to write it. They're made to say it. This is demonic. I'm going to tell you it is demonic. And it's awful. And, I, and, and the things that I've been talking about, I, I'm, I'm the new kid on the block. I'm not the first talking about them. But it's coming upon us overnight. Overnight. You've got to get your children out of school. That's the title of the book. I, I don't see it here. That was written two years ago. Get them out now. Get them out now. If your child is in public school, you will completely ruin them if you keep them there. With gender ideology and sex ed and this encroaching um, uh, religion, so to speak, that the, that is not Christian. And when you ta- bring them into that atmosphere, you may say, well, your school doesn't teach them uh, the Islamic religion or um, Muslim concepts and other things. They don't teach them that. But you're wrong because what we believe is how we live. And so even if the specific doctrines are not said, it's the mindset of the school. It's the mindset of the teachers. It's the mindset of the people to leave God out. God is not an addition to our lives. He's our, he is our life. He's our foundation. And he's our everything. And if we leave him out, then we become insane to be insane is to see what is not real, what doesn't exist. What is sane is what is real. And that's why I picked up this book, uh, Society and Sanity. Society and Sanity, how do I do this for you? By Frank Sheed. Um, I'm trying to get it straight here. Um, uh, is is a, written in 1953, and he's talking about then the roots of insanity in our culture, because they already existed. They existed uh, in World War One and Two, and way before that in communism. That's where communism came from. And it's coming to our country. It's coming to our children. It's not coming, beloved. It's already here. And if the only way for you to take your children out of public school is to be scared and to have them come home 
telling you what awful thing they were exposed to or told to do. Uh, it's, it's a little late then, but it's never too late to get them out. But they've already been exposed to much. You will lose your children to a satanic world. You will lose them. You will lose them, beloved. Take them out now. And if you put them in a Catholic school, you need to go and see the Catholic school curriculum because gender ideology has crept into Catholic schools. One man called us and said that uh, there was a young boy, or the children were going for First Communion, and there was a young boy, I don't know, seven, eight years old, who decided he was a girl, and his mother was fine with it, and he was going to wear a dress to the first Holy Communion. And of course, this was outrageous. So the teacher went to the bishop, and the bishop said, let let him do what we want. We have no right to impose on people. It's, I, it, it's twilight zone. It's absolutely twilight zone. So if your Catholic school has sex ed, which is the responsibility of the parents, gender ideology um, uh, does not believe in the divinity of Christ, is not teaching a true Christian uh, theology, you need to take them out. You must know those things. And what do you do if you take them out? What if your husband and you are both working? I don't, I don't know what you need to do, but your children comes for, come first. You have given, been given them as, from God as a steward to raise them for heaven, to raise them for the kingdom, not to turn them over to anyone or anything, including daycare. Now, if you can get them into a home where a Catholic mother is taking children in to take care of them during the day and teaching them to color pictures of Mary and Jesus and, and it's all around our Catholic faith, that's a terrific thing. That is wonderful because it's a great help to you and the children will learn. I've heard of wonderful, wonderful Christian schools. In fact, this family that I stayed with over the weekend with the 16 children, I think it, I think three of them now, uh, a bit older, are going to a wonderful Catholic school. And what they told me about it was the Great Books program. There's no sex ed. It's fantastic. This is a terrific thing. If we can have schools like that, absolutely yes. But you must know what they're learning, and you must know that above all, no matter how great those teachers may be, you, mom and dad, have been given the stewardship of raising your children, not the schools. And if they are taught what is not Catholic, and they are allowed to practice what is not Catholic, and they will pick up the bad language, the immodest dress, the bad attitudes, um, the lack of authority that has come upon our children. Uh, they have not been taught authority. Parents have stopped parenting. Parents, I think, are afraid of their children. They will not command them. It's terrible. And your children, if they pick that up, it will be you, not the school, who has ruined them because you have turned them over to that. You've got to be very, 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 very careful. You bring a child home from the hospital and children, the other children want to hold that baby and the baby is uh, three days old and, and you say, oh, all right, sit down on the couch and I'll put the baby on your lap because you don't want anything to happen to that baby. Well, well, what makes you leave that form of parental uh, protectiveness when they get older? Something happens. I've, I've met young five, six, seven-year-olds who are models 
of Christian family upbringing. They're magnificent. And then they get into the teenage years and they're half naked and they are um, uh, disrespectful. It, uh, what is the transition? Because the parents have stopped parenting. They have, they're afraid. They're afraid to lose the love and approval of their children. It's children who should want parents' approval, not parents who should want children's approval. And it's this way across the board. I beg families to be families and, and religious to be religious. Um, yesterday, uh, I have somebody that was assisting me at an appointment and was driving home. And, um, and she was talking about some nuns she passed. This woman is not Catholic. And she was talking about some nuns that she passed on the street. And she said, it's funny, they were wearing half dresses. I've never heard that expression before. They were. She said, well, they were in half, half skirts. She said they were in half skirts. I said, what is a half skirt? It's a skirt that's to the knee or just below. The, I said, you mean above the knee? She said, no, just below the knee. It's a half skirt. I've never heard anyone address it like that. You see, you see, we have degraded society by not living our faith. We have done that. We have a lot to do. We have a lot of reparation to make. We need to take our children back, beloved. So we don't have very much time, but I'm going to read uh, just a tiny section of this book today. Um, and I, I have to because it's been, um, let's see now, been a, a few days plus the whole weekend since we've read it. I'll backtrack to this new section which says, we're now in a position to look again at the rights of, of man. People say, we have, I have a right for this, I have a right for that. No, you don't. Maybe society has given you that right, but it doesn't come from God. God has given us certain rights, which society wants to rob us of, and they want to give us certain rights, which God wants to rob us of. We are now in a position to look again, Frank Sheet says, at the right of the rights of man. We know now that he has rights, real rights, not merely concessions, for they are rooted not in society's notion of the best way to treat its members, but in the nature God gave him. God made him a particular kind of being. He wants him to be treated accordingly by others and himself. Men, says America's Declaration of Independence, quote, are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, end quote, and we begin to see what their rights are. We have seen that the first of the rights of man is to be treated as what he is. And by now we know what he is. He has the right to act as what he is, to move toward the goal for which he has been made, the order of reality is affronted sorry the order of reality is affronted if any one of these rights is denied and of course they're being denied all over the place all over the place he is he is a union of body and spirit man is and you know again if you've just joined us i'm using the language of this book i'm using scriptural language i'm not adopting the fallen, degraded language of society. God made man, says uh, he, 
in Genesis and made him male and female. When we speak of man, we speak of mankind. I detest humankind, that word. There's no reason for it. Mankind. Um, And people say, well, humans, because they're afraid to say man. I detest that too. We are beings made in the image of God. We are human beings made in the image of God. If you want to drop one of the two human being words, drop the word human. We are beings. We are human beings. But we are beings made in the image of the being, the one who existed from all time, the one who said, I am is my name. I am. I am existence. We are human beings. That's fine. But we don't need to say humankind. Mankind is what God created. Back to the book. He is a union of body and spirit. He has a right to his bodily integrity and the normal development of his bodily powers. To food, therefore, and to shelter, and to clothing, and to healing. He has a right to his spiritual integrity and the normal development of the powers of his mind. And the normal development of the powers of his soul. He has a right to life. Because his life upon earth is that by which he decides what his eternal destiny is to be. Do you hear that? By the life we live on earth, beloved, we determine our internal, eternal destiny. He has a right to be treated according to the moral law. He has a right to enter into relation with God, to grow in union with God. Here on earth with a view to that perfect union which is to come hereafter. In considering man's rights, there are two further elements. The first of these, the effect upon them of the social order, which is also willed by God and brings with it further rights and a complex of duties will be discussed later, the social order. The second is the effect upon them of sin. A man handling himself in ways forbidden by the moral law may forfeit his rights, beloved. They are not alienable. Excuse me, alienable. They're not to be thrown away by anybody but himself. No one can take them from you. Only you can. No one can take them from you. You know, I grew up, I didn't read this book, I didn't, wasn't taught this, but I had such a sense, we all did in my family, we knew we were God's people, it wasn't just religion, we were given a sense of identity as children, and we knew that we belonged to God, and we knew who we were, and whose we were, and I've grown up with that, and you can't touch it, you can't give me another philosophy that I'm going to buy into, you can't. Because I know who I am. I didn't know why I was on earth, so that's, that's really not knowing quite who I am. I, I give you that. But you need to raise children, not with we're Catholic and a, you know, a religion, go to church every Sunday, but you are the people of God. You are the people that God gave his life for. They have to have an identity. They have to know why they are who they are. Back to Frank Sheed, they are not alienable by anybody but himself. Only we. No one can touch you. No one can take what God gave you but you. Nobody. 
people can call you names. They can beat you. They can uh, do all kinds of things. But they cannot change who God has made you to be and the rights God has given you. They cannot. The only one who can take that from you is yourself. Is yourself by buying into the lies of the world. By buying into their telling you you are worth nothing. Are you kidding? Does God make anybody or anything that's worth nothing? That's not an affront to you. That's an affront to God. If they tell you you're worthless, they're saying God made something worthless and he did not. And you need to come back. Uh, Pardon me. I am a child of God and you cannot touch that. They are not alienable by anybody but himself, but he can alienate alienate them. You can alienate yourself from God. You can alienate yourself from the dignity, the beauty, the worth, the preciousness, the value that God gave you. If you don't believe God because you believe corrupted society or maybe parents that didn't get it right, then you will be the loser because you're absorbing it. Because it was said to you, don't absorb it. You're a child of God and nothing, nothing, no one can ever touch that except if you let them. So you may have had a pearl in your bedroom, a little bright thing, and one day you discovered it was a diamond. It's a diamond. And if someone says to you, that's just a little shiny rock, you know it's a diamond and they're wrong. Well, you are more than a diamond. And if anyone thinks less of you, they're simply wrong, and you let them know. God bless you, beloved. There's the music for our break, and you may call in with anything on your heart toll free. one 877 St. Benedict said, Put Christ before all else, and may he lead us all to everlasting life. Every day, Catholic Radio encourages this practice of putting Christ first. Help create awareness of Catholic Radio in your community so that other drivers will find the peace of Christ through listening. To request your free bumper magnets, please visit thestationofthecross.com and click the Promote tab at the top of our homepage. That's thestationofthecross.com, then click Promote. Thank you for your support of Catholic Radio while you travel. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com and may God bless you. (laughs) 
Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved to Mother Miriam Live. I am here. I am she. I am thrilled to be with you. So now our half hour is all to ourself, and I invite you to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. The heart of the matter is always the matter of your heart. Our toll-free number, one eight seven seven. hold on. one 877 um, 511-5483 or email. You can text at the toll-free number as well or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We're going to take our first email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Mother, I came across you not long ago and wanted to reach out and ask you a question. I'm 36 years old. I have a 43-year-old husband. We have four children and I have a desire to have one more child. But I do not quite, but I do have quite complicated pregnancies, and I deliver all my children by cesarean section. Um, so I have been told not to have any more children because it's risky um, uh, by the doctor who delivered my last child almost three years ago. <clears throat> I cannot seem to shake the desire for just one more. I've prayed novenas, and I have thought about this daily. It seems to never leave me. My husband is happy to try for another child, but does not want to risk my life and then leave the children that have already been entrusted to my care. My heart says yes, but my mind comes up with countless reasons to not to. Mother, please help or suggest to me, a way to hear God's call and his will for me. I know with God anything is possible. I feel like I have a very heavy weight to carry. I'm truly happy with the family I already have. And if that's what God has planned for me, I'm truly okay with that. Ultimately, I want to do what is God's will and have the confidence to trust him. Mother, please pray for me. Thank you. Well, dear one, um i'm 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 guessing you might be practicing natural family planning. You certainly would have reason to if your life would be at risk with another pregnancy. I met a woman who had twelve children by cesarean section, twelve all of them c sections so it's not necessarily that a woman's life is at risk because she has her birth by c section it it's it's relates to the particular condition of each woman. So if your doctor says that to have another child will be very risky for you, um, then you have two options. You either totally abstain, you and your husband, from marital relations, which I do not recommend, um, or you go on, if you're not, 
using natural family planning, you go ahead and use that, and then you leave it to God. And so you're not testing, you're not doing anything. If, you, if your life is at risk, um, if, if, if that's not the case, there's no reason for you to use natural family planning. But if the doctor says, in your case, it would be risky, then I would simply use natural family planning during your fertile periods and let God give you another child if he wishes, even with that. And this way, you won't feel any guilt that you've tempted God or tested him by having another child when you, when you were told it would be risky. So go ahead on natural family planning. Have relations with your husband normally, uh, but practice NFP during your fertile period. And if God would like to give you another child, he can still do that. He's not limited. That's what I would do, sweetheart, and trust him. Um, I do have a friend. She has seven children. And she, her life, uh, and she didn't have them C-section, but the doctor told her that her life would be at risk if she had another child um, because uh, she's had great complications with previous pregnancies. And this one, uh, the child, not just the child, but the mother's life would be in danger. So... Um, they weren't Catholic, and they came into the Catholic Church, and they decided to simply trust God and uh, just not use anything anymore, not even natural family planning. And they did have another baby, one more, and that baby came out perfectly, and she had no complications. It was miraculous, and they have never used NFP since or anything else, and they've never had another child. So it is all kinds of stories. Uh, we don't want to tempt God, but we want to trust him. And and that was tempting him a little bit. I remember one nun, I told her the story. She said, you tell him not to be holier than God. God has allowed NFP. They need to use it. But they didn't. That was also their choice. And so, um, it, you know, every, every situation's different. So I'd say if your life is in danger, use NFP and let God determine that. And that, then if you get pregnant again, you won't, won't feel like you've tempted him or tested him or, or done anything like that. So that's my thought. Um, we have Nancy, uh, on the line from Rochester, New York. Hello, Nancy. Hello, um, Mother Marian. Hi, sweetie. I appreciate all that you're doing in your ministry and thank you. I've learned, uh, uh, things that uh, I was not aware of in the past, and I uh, really appreciate uh, your wisdom. Blessed be God. Uh, I, I am ca- calling about the Surrender Novena booklet. Yes, yes. I'm we tried, have uh, to locate it on <clears throat> divinemercy.org, mm-hmm. and I can't find it. Well, we have, I had them printed, uh, several thousand for us uh, from India. And um, all you need to do, if you go on our website, Nancy, uh, motherofisraelshope.org, because the name of the community is Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, our website is www.motherofisraelshope.org, and you can click on contact, send us an email, and ask, ask for the Novena Surrender Booklet. We'll put it in the mail to you. Let me just tell you and everyone else, because we've had many requests for them. One woman asked for 50, and we were able to send. We have plenty of them left still. Um, and so um, uh, I, I just want to tell everyone that uh, the booklet that we had published, it's um oh... Do I have it with me? 
Oh, I don't have it in front of me. I'm so sorry. It's a, it's quite a, it's a red booklet, and it's, it's beautifully done on glossy paper, four color, and it has, uh, in addition to the entire novena surrender, um, of surrender, it has uh, Saint Faustina and Padre Pio and um, prayers from the saints. It's a beautiful little booklet, and oops. There's there's the break, Nancy. Can you hang on till after the break? Yes, yeah, I, can. I don't have to tell you that. Let me just tell you this to everybody. The book retailed for seven ninety five. We got it for three seventy five, and that's what we would appreciate people uh, sending us three seventy five for it. However, we'll send it if someone doesn't have any money. We'll send it out to you. Don't worry about that. Just email us. Tell us how many you want. This is for anybody. And we'll put them in the mail to you, and whatever you can send us back, uh, even for postage, we appreciate it. Okay, Nancy, I'll let you off the phone. God bless you, dear one. Um, There's the music for our second break, beloved. It's very short. We'll be right back. Feel free to call in at 1-877-511-5483 or email or text. We'll be right back. Users of iCatholic Radio are leaving inspiring reviews in the iTunes and Google Play stores. Emilia says, iCatholic Radio is the only radio station I listen to. It's my constant companion whether I'm in my car or walking. It's a good way to learn and to deepen my understanding about my faith. It's a source of reliable information of which we badly need in our culture. I encourage everyone to listen and support iCatholic Radio as a gateway to heaven. Another reviewer writes, at last, a radio Radio station worth listening to. Thank you, I love it. And Deepak writes, a Catholic media treasure trove, spiritually uplifting and fun. One reviewer says, love it, love it. I'm learning so much about the Catholic faith, it makes me seriously consider conversion. If you haven't reviewed iCatholic Radio yet, we'd love to hear from you. Visit our page at the iTunes or Google Play Store. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Heart to Heart with Mother Miriam. We've got a little over 15 minutes together, and you are welcome to call in 
or text at the toll-free number 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We have an email from Marie who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I have been researching if Catholic Relief Services is following Catholic teaching. A bishop we know told us to check with CRS, Catholic Relief Services. CRS said they simply, CRS said they comply with Catholic teaching, but when I checked with the National Catholic Bioethics Center, they sent me to the American Life League charity, um, Watch, who did not approve of CRS, Catholic Relief Services. Why do the bishops support Catholic Relief Services? What is my next step? Sincerely, Marie. Catholic Relief Services is does not support Catholic teaching. They lie if they say they do. And they are a major funder of abortion uh, and contraception uh, throughout the world. A major funder. And no bishop, no Catholic should support them. If bishops support them, it could be an ignorance which they'd be accountable for after so many years of so many reports of Catholic Relief Services supporting contraception, handing out millions of condoms, and going beyond that. It's awful. If you want a full report on Catholic Relief Services, go to Lepanto, L-E-P-A-N-T-O Institute. The president is Michael Hitchborn. Look up Catholic Relief Services uh, and you will get all their information. They partner with other organizations and they uh, pass out their, their interpopulation control. And so... Um, uh, we must not give to them again. E- either bishops are ignorant of this, meaning they don't know, um, which I would say is inexcusable after all this time, or they just don't want to be targeted, quote unquote, or singled out. Um, I I know of one diocese in particular where people wrote to the bishop, sent him fax, sent him printouts of CRR, CRS is giving, sent him news reports, everything, and it it didn't move him at all. The, di- the diocese still collects for CRS. So uh, I don't know what the problem with these bishops are. Um, they just want to get along. I, I have no idea. They don't want to be singled out or targeted. I have no idea, but it's evil. And so our step, um, you say, what is your next step? Is simply, you can, you can look up Lepanto, look up Michael Hitchborn, Catholic Relief Services, print the information out, and respectfully send it uh, or make an appointment with your bishop, respectfully. Uh, I don't think anything's going to be news to him. Shame on him if it's news to him. Um, but uh, I, I can not even imagine the answer he would give you if he indeed, uh, he may just say, I'll look into it and let you go at that, which is, uh, which is unfortunate. So uh, what all we can do as Catholics, beloved, is to live our faith. And when the envelopes are passed out, just don't take one. Just do not contribute to any evil and immoral situation. Do not contribute. We have a Facebook question, a question from Justin that was on Facebook. He says, Mother Miriam, I listened to your September 17th episode of your show, and from my understanding, Catholics are forbidden to attend the wedding of a baptized 
of baptized Catholics practicing or not if they get married outside the church. My own brother is getting married outside the church, and I was told by my um, FSSP, that's the Society of Fraternity of Society of St. Peter, that I cannot attend. Can you clarify what you said on that particular show? Oh, Justin, I don't know what I said on September 17th. Uh, I would need to go back like you and listen to the podcast, which is possible if anyone wants to get a particular, uh, uh, what do you say, um, um, statement that I made. You can always go back to that podcast, go to Station of the Cross, go to their archives. You can always listen to it. However... I may have said, I don't know what I said at the time, I don't know the situation, but a practicing Catholic cannot attend. Well, no, let me say this. Uh, As far as I know, the issue would be um, the matter of, not that you're simply a Catholic, but the, the state of the Catholic, the baptized Catholic getting married outside the church. I would go to that person and I would say, you are Catholic, are you not? And they'll say, oh, no, I left the church. Well, if they left the church, even though they were baptized, they left the church, they're not attending, they're not receiving the Eucharist, they don't consider themselves Catholic, they're apostate or they're atheist or whatever they are, you could go if it's a matter of building a relationship with them. You could go if they're atheists, if they're lost, you could go to help bring them back to the faith. But... If they're a practicing Catholic, you need to say to them, um, you will be uh, in mortal sin. Uh, If you die on your wedding night, you will be in hell. You cannot get married outside the church unless you go to the bishop and you renounce your faith. You need to renounce your faith and say, I reject the church. I reject Jesus Christ. And then you're free. Then you're a pagan. And you're free to get married anywhere you want. And a Catholic is free to attend a pagan wedding. Uh, Not to partake in it, but to attend for a friend or people they want to bring into the church. I think they are free to do that. But outside of that, you do not want to support anyone that gets married. That's a Catholic, and now they're Protestant, and they're getting married outside the Catholic Church. You don't want to support that or go to that. We have a question from Terry, also of Facebook. Terry says, why does the Catholic Church promote Mother Mary more than Jesus, the Son of God? Why do you pray to Mary when you can pray directly to Jesus? Terry, these are great questions, and you're a good observer. I don't believe the Catholic Church promotes Mary more than Jesus, the Son of God. The Catholic Church wrote the Bible wrote the scriptures, which the Protestants use to um, defend themselves. It's it's a Catholic book. And Martin Luther said the, the Protestants, we wouldn't have the Bible if it weren't for the Catholics. And the main complaint about the Bible um, on the part of Protestants is that it's all about Jesus. And it, it hardly ever mentions Mary. And so why is Mary such a big deal to Catholics? You see, where is that in the Bible? And so it's, it's really in that sense, the opposite. Um, it's not that Mary promotes that the Catholic church promotes Mary more than Jesus. Absolutely not. 
um, our salvation is in Jesus. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. But our Lord gave Mary to us as our mother, and she has one, simply a one-track mind, and that is to bring us to Jesus at the wedding feast of Cana. Do whatever he tells you. That's all Mary ever says. And the only reason that we promote devotion to Mary is, well, there's many reasons for that. Um, But basically, uh, a mother is the best way to get us to her son because she knows him better than we. She loves him better than we do. And she helps us get uh, not just to Jesus, but even when we have that relationship with Jesus through his church, um, we want a deeper relationship with him and Mary can help us to that. And so we can pray directly to Mary in this way, the way we pray to anybody. Um, if Terry, if I said to you, um, well, I do have this cold, uh, would you pray for me that, that it'll go quickly? You, you would say to me, yes, mother, I will pray for you. You wouldn't say to me, what are you asking me for? Go to Jesus. You don't need me. I can't heal you. Go to Jesus. But the fact is, you know that Jesus has given us one another to pray for. All men everywhere, we are mediators with a small m because he is the mediator. Jesus is the mediator between God and man. And we are little mediators in him, just as he is the high priest, and we are little priests, the common priesthood in him. And um, Paul wrote to Timothy that we are to pray for all men everywhere, for kings and uh, peoples in government and all men everywhere. We ought to pray for them. He doesn't say let them go directly to Jesus. We ought to pray for them because, he says, our Lord Jesus is the chief mediator between God and men. That's why we pray for these people. We take them to Jesus because he is the mediator between God and men. And so we pray for one another and we ask those in heaven to pray for us as well because Jesus is the mediator between God and men. Those on earth can pray for us and those in heaven can pray for us. That is the communion of saints. We don't, we are not separated because of space and time. Here on earth we're the church militant and we need to have a a physical, earthly communication, whether uh, means whether it's the telephone or um, the computer or uh, just speaking face to face, we need to have physical means. But once, once we die, we're with God. There's, we're out of the body. There's no space and time anymore. And God has said that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Well, there's nobody more righteous than those who are already in heaven. Um, dear Terry, and so uh, we pray to them, look at Revelation, I think it's, um, I have to look it up myself, chapter 5, verse 8, I'm not sure, speaks about the incense of the saints on earth, those are us, the saints on earth, the, the, those who are sanctified, consecrated to God on earth, um, offering of our prayers to the saints in heaven who put them before the f- throne of God. So we have the church triumphant who prays for us, the church militant on earth who prays for us, and um, the church suffering who can pray for us, but we they desperately not need us to pray for them. 
There's no barrier at all. Terry, I'm going to go on to the next email, but if you can get a book, it's my favorite one from Pat Madrid, and it's called Any Friend of God's, G-O-D apostrophe S, is a Friend of Mine, and it's about the communion of saints and purgatory. It's fantastic. Patrick did a wonderful job. It, it actually did help me into the church. Um uh, filled with scripture. So that's a wonderful book for you, Terry. Any Friend of God's, G-O-D apostrophe S, is a friend of mine by Patrick Madrid. And it will um, it really, uh, I think, give you further insight. We have an email from Grant. And Grant says, Hello, Mother. Um, in light of Archbishop Sheen's upcoming beatification this December, how could someone like Archbishop Sheen be recognized by the church as a saint when there is a history of conflict um, between him and his superiors, to give a, a little context, Bishop Sheen had a fall out with a particular cardinal, um, uh, with the Society of the Propagation of the Faith, um, wondering if the oath of obedience was broken in this case. No, if the church uh, is beatifying Bishop Sheen, he indeed is worthy of that beatification. And all the things you wrote in your email, um, I I haven't read them all in their full specification, but we need to trust the church with Archbishop Sheen in that case. Um, um, Oh, there was something, uh, I tell you... um, there's an oath. No, I don't. I don't believe the oath of obedience was. Are, are you suggesting that Archbishop Sheen broke an oath of obedience to the Pope? I don't know where the oath of obedience would have been broken with Bishop Sheen. Um, so, uh, was it the Cardinal Spellman who was over him? That could be the case, but you know. When a cardinal does not do what is right or does what is sinful, we must break with him. We cannot obey sin. And I think with Bishop Sheen, uh, that's the situation. Uh, Peter said, you tell me whether to obey God or man. If a bishop asks us to obey something that is not right, that is not moral, uh, we cannot let a bishop bring us into sin. We cannot obey sin so there's going to be a falling out where there needs to be a falling out uh, that does not his disobedience to Cardinal Spellman which which you're telling me happened um, would not negate him from being beatified at all um, so again uh, and also those who are beatified as saints don't necessarily they're not free of sin at all they're not free of sin but they're worthy of being canonized. Uh, There's no canonized saint that's without sin. None. None at all. Only our Blessed Mother was without sin, and of course, our Lord. So, um, I hope that's not confused you more than it's helped, but nothing wrong with the beatification coming up for Archbishop Sheen. We bless God for him. God bless all of you, and we'll speak with you tomorrow.